welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. My name is Susie Krollick. I'm the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense, and we are halfway through season six and are kicking off episode 91 with a new co-host. Hume Wasim is one of our certified self-defense trainers living in Islamabad, Pakistan. Hi, Hume. Welcome to the show. Hi, Susie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for co-hosting, actually. So I want to take a little bit of time in this episode and get to know, well, I already know you, but I would like mm-hmm. our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Islamabad it seems really far away from Berlin, mm-hmm. which I think it is. Yeah. But I'm wondering if there, from the time that you've gotten to know me a little bit, if you've seen anything that might be similar between the two cities. Islamabad and Berlin? Yeah. So I have never been to Berlin, but I have seen pictures and I have read news from there. And, you know, the way the international media portrays Pakistan is very different from the Pakistan that I see on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And Islamabad in general is a bit more different than the rest of Pakistan because it's a very new city and it's very well organized and very clean and green. So I would say that it's similar in the sense that it is cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Um, people are well-educated. Most people are well-educated. And it's also small. There's also a good amount of diplomatic community here. Mm-hmm. And there are universities. So in that sense, I would say it's similar. Well, the, I mean, it's a capital city, right? So, and Berlin yeah. has some a lot of the same things, as well as being a very green city. Um, oh, yes. I've never been to Islamabad, but I've seen lots of photos, and I think it looks really fantastic. I like modern cities and big buildings, and I'm dying to go yeah. and visit because it looks like, you know, one of my dream cities, actually. Oh, that's sweet. It is actually a really good blend of nature and modernity because we have mountains. It's very green. Um, on a rainy day, you'll see clouds hover above those mountains. And it's really beautiful as well. Do you um, have wildlife that comes into the city? Here in Berlin, we have foxes, you know, rabbits, rats, of course, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of birds. But we also have foxes and we have wild boar. Oh, yes. We have wild boars as well. Oh, really? We also have lots of monkeys, especially in the areas where the mountains are. Uh-huh. And they're notorious for snatching people's foods. So yeah. if you ever come here, don't have a banana in front of them. Yeah, um, I saw that yeah. when I was in Kathmandu last year in Nepal, the monkeys were all over the place and they are assholes. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're funny guys. Um, what else do we have? We have, we also have cheetahs in the mountains. You have what? And, no, they're not cheetahs actually. Or maybe they are, they're leopards. I, I sometimes confuse between the two. Um, okay. Yeah. So we do have a mountain cat. I think it's a leopard in the mountains. Huh. Yeah. Do they ever come down into the city? They have come down on occasion. Mm-hmm. But it's not very frequent. That happened on rare occasion when I lived in L.A. as well. I mean, I'm sure it happens even since I've moved to, from L.A. But 
there were mountain lions in the area there as well. And every once in a while, I think just when they were really hungry and there wasn't a lot of food available, they would come and sort of come around the, not into the downtown area of the city, but they would come into the populated areas around the edges of the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people do get really scared when that happens. Um, I live in a town that's in the suburbs of Islamabad, and we have quite a few peacocks over here, which is really beautiful. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing to have around. So you are a fitness instructor in Islamabad. That's correct. And how did you become a fitness instructor? So I never set out to become one, but if I trace back, then I remember back in my early 20s, there was a period where I was going through a lot of anxiety and the social political landscape of Pakistan was also very turbulent. There were lots of bombings happening during, happening during that time. And I just wanted something to help me relax. And I heard a lot about yoga. So I attended a yoga class and within like three or four classes, I saw a significant difference in my mental health, my anxiety levels had diminished, I felt more in my body. So I just fell in love with yoga. And I did it for many, many years, until I just decided, you know what, I want to teach this, then I got certified. And then I launched my own studio, it's called Replenish. And now it's an only women's studio. And I've been working here for three years now. Um, women also come in wanting to have like a weight loss transformation and they also want nutritional guidance. So for that, I got certified again with ISSA. Um, Mm -hmm. And recently I got certified with Pretty Deadly to be a self-defense instructor as well. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I have quite a few art forms under my belt that give me more of a holistic skill set. Yeah, so I'm, I'm proud of that. So you do you do a lot of personal training or do you do group training? I do do personal training, but um, I'm bigger on group training, on group classes, actually. Hmm. Like, that's my forte. What do you like about it? I mean, do you feel like this is kind of your calling in life? Um, I do. What I love about it is how you can transform a person you know how they feel like their physical health has improved their mental health has improved even their social lives because I've created a sense of community here Um, women come in they give me really good reviews of how they feel much more confident in their bodies now that they're looking after them Um, they've added movement to their lives which again is amazing to beat anxiety and a lot of mental health issues and they also feel connected so you know they can bond they can talk about their issues that just really heartens me whenever I hear that a woman's whenever I hear a woman say that joining my studio taking my classes has improved the quality of their lives that's a good feeling it's so nice I think it's really a privilege to be in a career or a job role or even just a a social role or personal role where you're not only helping people, but people feel comfortable letting you know that. Oh yeah. It's really a gift because, because so many people never know what kind of impact they have on someone else's life. Yeah. 
And it's really rewarding to hear that. It's really important, I think, for someone to to tell you, you know, thanks, you really helped me, or you said this one thing, or you taught me how to do this thing. And, you know, a lot of people don't do that because they don't feel comfortable going back to whoever gave them that key or that tool. Yeah. Right? And that's it's not saying that, you know, the the teacher or the guide or whoever is difficult to approach. It's not saying that the person who received that and had a transformation is not being grateful enough. But I think sometimes some people just make it easier to, to receive that information. And it's, to me, it's really a privilege um, to be able to receive that from people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm a big believer in getting feedback Mm -hmm. and I'm also very particular about women's comfort mm-hmm. um, and that their you know, individual issues are catered to. So if somebody has low back pain, mm-hmm. I'm not going to push them. I'm going to create a plan that works around that issue. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten really good testimonials from them. Um, there's a lady who lost around 20 kgs ever since she joined. She had recently lost her husband to uh, to a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's really thankful to me. She's full of gratitude. And, you know, that that's what I live for. Um, yeah, that I've had this impact on their lives. So yeah. you need that feedback if you want to keep improving your work. I yeah, think. that's true. That's true. So tell me a little bit about what, life is like for you in Islamabad, like help, let's help paint a picture for our listeners because Pakistan, you're right. You started out saying earlier that, you know, the way Pakistan is portrayed in the press um, is very different from the Pakistan that you know. Yes. And although I've never been to Pakistan, um, I do know that, you know, here in whatever you want to call it, the global North, the, you know, in the West, the, Mm -hmm whatever. I don't, you know, I don't even know what to call it anymore, (laughs) but uh, over on this side of the world, (laughs) Pakistan does kind of get a bad rap. It has, um, it's the way it's portrayed is, is it's hard for me to put it into one word. It's just sort of portrayed as like very poor, um, bombs and donkeys. Very, like everyone's really struggling. Like it's, you know, it's all, everything is rural. Um, yeah, but I, you know, having gotten to know you and some of the other Pakistani members on our team, um, and some of the work that we've done with our partners in Pakistan, I've gotten to see a little bit more of what Pakistan is really like. Yeah. I mean, again, without actually having been there, I can't say I really know it, but I definitely feel I've gotten, I've had my eyes opened in a really great way, but also in a way that makes me very ashamed Mm. of the way that people on my side of the world have a tendency to look at Pakistan and myself included until I got to know all of you. Okay. So that being said, um, paint me a picture. What is life like for you in Islamabad? What do you do for fun, for example? Yeah. So first of all, I'd like to thank you for actually admitting that you feel ashamed because, um, that shows something about you that you're willing to have your worldview changed and you're open to experiences where you allow people to, you know, give you 
um, a new perspective just by launching in Pakistan. Um, you did that. So, Islam, uh, sorry, Pakistan is quite a big country in, com- uh, in comparison to Europe, I would say. It's, so, it's difficult to pigeonhole the entire country. Yes, there are rural parts, there are villages where people live in a very prim- primordial way. Um, but in the big cities, I would say it's like anywhere else in Europe, maybe. So, what mm-hmm. is life for me like? Um, so, I've designed my life in a way that's a lot of fun for me. Um, I give a dance class in the morning. I give a yoga class. Um, and I have my clients coming in who are more like my friends now. So, every day I get an opportunity to work out with them, to chit-chat with them, to share about my life and hear about their lives as well. Mm-hmm. And over the weekends, um, we go out for dinner or lunch. There are a lot of good dining options in Islamabad. You can get almost any cuisine now. And we also go for hikes. So there's the outdoor life as well. Um, my family is social quite social so we have some family gatherings that we go to and we also go to the Islamabad club sometimes for swimming um we also go to Murray which is like this northern area a mountainous area sometimes for a retreat so a lot is happening in my life I would say but it's also um a quiet city so it's not I wish we had more music festivals. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was going to be my next question. What do you dislike about Islamabad and what do you like about it? There are quite a few things that I dislike. And I hope that that would change because I'm a big believer in making a change or seeing the change you want, like creating, making that change happen. So I wish Mm -hmm. that women not just women but also men would reclaim public spaces more but especially women um Mm -hmm. also i wish there were more of a sense of community because currently i feel there's there are a lot of cliques and it's not easy for a new person to penetrate within those friend circles that easily Mm -hmm. so i wish there were more of a a stronger (laughs) sense of community and yeah, I do wish that women could just, you know, walk out, go into parks, do yoga or running without having to be so hyper vigilant all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so do you think that this affects the way that you move around the city as a woman? It does. Um, I'm privileged in the sense that I have my car and I can drive to almost any part of the city. But I do wish, Mm -hmm. so if I compare it to Europe, like I've lived in Turkey and in Italy, and what I loved about those places was that you could just go out, you could catch a bus or the metro and get from one point to the other. So public transport is not that great here in Islamabad. You can't just get out and get to any place without feeling unsafe. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I wish I could move more easily in that sense and because the security isn't like our police is notorious for not um actually listening and working 
um, regarding the complaints they get. So parents tend to be overprotective. Sometimes women have curfews. You can't stay out till very late. And sometimes you'll get calls from your parents saying, come home and all of that. So that is a hindrance for me as well. The UN, um, I don't know what they're called, like the UN department uh, called UN Women just named uh, your police chief in Islamabad as their like top he for she ally. He for she ally? And I don't know if it's... Be- what is what? A he for she ally? Yeah, so there, there's a campaign that started, uh, I think, in Turkey, I want to say. Um, that's talking about men who are allies towards women and women's empowerment. Mm-hmm. So it's the campaign is called He for She. So it's supposed to be feminist, but it's actually uplifting men. Okay. Who support women. So... They, I just saw this on Facebook that, you know, they're sort of, because November is a big month for UN women and it's the day, you know, November 25th is the international day to end violence against women. And they have really big campaigns about that. So they start at the beginning of November every year, and now they're starting um, the he for she campaign and they're naming specific men that they feel have really advanced um, conditions for women. Yeah in their communities. And so they named the chief of police for Islamabad as their first he for she hero, I guess. Okay. And it was a man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to add that the police is really improving. There are people now okay. who want to make a change and they actively tweet as well and try to create this transparency. They'll tweet about whatever uh, achievement they've mm-hmm. made. So things are improving, but because they have been so bad for such a long period of time, people have become um, very, what do you call it, um, disillusioned by them. They don't trust them that Mm. much. So it will take some time for them to sort of redeem themselves. But change is happening. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's everywhere. I mean, I think most people are pretty fed up with the police. The way that the police in in every local community has been conducting their business and their their public and their and their private profiles, it's been pretty bad over the past couple of years everywhere. Yeah, but but in America, we hear things like somebody calls nine one one and they show up within minutes. No, we don't hear. No, it. that's that's that does not happen. <laughs> that happens. Okay. I mean, maybe if you're in a wealthy community. Okay. So when I I've lived heard in La- that from my cousins. Yeah, no, 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 that's not mm-hmm. true. So when I lived in Los Angeles, I lived in different parts of the city. And Los Angeles is, you know, there's some parts that are really wealthy where all the movie stars live and then the old movie stars. So it's like sort of old money. Um, okay. And then there's where the hipsters live. And then there's where all the um, basically working People Mm -hmm. live, you know, people who are just manning gas stations and waitresses and, you know, not the ones who are constantly trying to become a star, although that's some of them too. So in every part of the city, there are different police stations, you know, to service that local area. Mm -hmm. For a little while, I lived in Beverly Hills. I lived in what's called the flats of Beverly Hills. So 
I have, I lived around the corner from the actor uh, Walter Matthau, who you may not know, but he was a very famous mm-hmm. actor for a long time, um, along with some other like older Hollywood people. Okay. And one day there was in the house where I was, I was working for somebody. So I was staying in this, in this sort of like a maid's bedroom. And one day there was a peeping Tom. Mm -hmm. And so I called 911 and the cops were right there because it's Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. But then I moved to another part of town, which at that time was not a very nice part of town. That was actually Hollywood proper in between um, Los Feliz and West Hollywood, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I was attacked. Okay. So, and that, that wasn't a peeping Tom. That was, you know, somebody broke into my home and tried to kill me. And of course I called 911 and it took them 45 minutes to show up. That's, that's really bad. Because I was in the bad part of town. So, I mean, mean, discrimination. It's it's I mean Beverly Hills is actually its own township and Hollywood is its own township and they're all within LA County. But still it's you know there's it's a myth that the police will show up within minutes or seconds. They won't. Is it a matter of proximity that their station is so far away? It's a matter of priority. So what happens when mm-hmm. you call 911 and I think a lot of people don't really realize this. When you call emergency services in any country, whether it's the police or it's, you know, EMS, like, you know, an ambulance or whatever, um, your call, but especially a 911 type call or here in Europe, it's 112, um, your call is immediately prioritized. So, and then the response time is based on where the, where your, where you fall on the priority list. Oh, Okay. That's very classist. <laughs> Should not be like yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know, if the threat is not immediate and there's no weapon, you're not top priority. Oh, okay. So when I called 911 when I was attacked, they asked me, does he have, a, is it one, is he still there? And does he have a gun? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, he's not still here. And I said, or, or did he have a, a weapon is what they said, a gun. But they said, did he have a weapon? And I said, he had a knife. Okay. So those, I think those two things knocked me, you know, remember this is at 4.30 in the morning. So there wasn't like a lot going on, but that knocked me down, you know, several pegs on the priority list. Hmm. Yeah, it's. So yeah, but that's true. I mean, that's true with every police station. It's not just Los Angeles and it's not just in Europe. I mean, every single police station or emergency call center works in the same way. They they have to prioritize the calls in a way that makes a lot yeah. of sense. You know, not everything can be a priority because you have mm. limited resources. But, you know, people believe that, you know, if you call 911 or 112 or whatever it is, they're going to show up right away. And that's just not the reality. Yeah. Well, my research is only based on my aunt's kids who would call 911 whenever the parents would be scolding now. So, and they lived in New York Mm -hmm. City. So this is a funny anecdotal tale that they would tell us that, you know, these kids would just call 911 on us if you wouldn't let them have pizza or stay out with their friends. (laughs) yeah yeah well 
<sighs> realities, realities of, of life with the police. Where do you feel um, safe and empowered in your life? Hmm. So when we're talking about the police, or you're, you were talking about um, it's you can't really take public transportation in Islamabad, but you do yes. have a car. Um, so where, in what parts of your life do you feel empowered? I would say in my career and in my line of work. Mm -hmm. So I work from my home. My studio is in my house. I don't have to deal with a lot of office politics or sexism that women generally deal with in the workplace, which I have faced in the past. Mm -hmm. So as an entrepreneur or a home business owner, whatever you want to call it, I feel really empowered. Um, I can make my own rules. I can, uh, I set my own timings. I can grow my business if I want it. I'm not restricted to a particular monthly salary only. And if I have a new idea, like I'm just starting a massage room within my studio. Now there also, I'm opening up quite a few opportunities for myself and also the women that I've employed now. So I feel empowered there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my parents are also supportive uh, with me. So my mother is also very supportive and helpful. And my dad is as well. Um, and yeah, with driving, I, I love driving my car. Whenever I'm feeling down, I get into my car and I drive it. So I would say that's also one place that I feel empowered. Yes. Do you have a... Um... A favorite song that you put on when you go for a drive? I have so many favorite songs. Um, one of them I already shared with you. It's by Nishrat Fatali Khan. And it's a mashup between him and Massive Attack. It's called The Must Kalandar. Um, I love the bass of that song. Yeah, you liked it. I'm glad. Yes, that was awesome. And I also love this song. It's called Baby by Baker yeah. Matt, who's a, who's a European DJ. And it's a very dancey song. Yeah, it just uplifts me instantly. Nice. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like getting in your car and putting on your favorite music and going for a drive. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a mini club. We yeah. don't have discos here, so that's our... <laughs> that's what you get to sit dance in the car. Disco. Yeah. Fair enough. We have too many discos. You can take some of our discos. <laughs> we would We would want that, yeah. <laughs> um. You became a pretty deadly trainer this year. Yes. And I thank you, by the way. I feel really honored to be working with you. You're welcome. What I'm curious, uh, I'm sorry, what? I said you're welcome and likewise. I also oh. feel very honored. Yeah. <laughs> um, where do you think, where, or where do you feel self-defense um, has helped you out or where it could improve things? Yeah, so... You? I was just thinking about this and I've thought about this a lot and, you know, being a yoga teacher, being someone who wanted to improve people's or women's mental health, I've noticed, I noticed that I became a very, uh, a person who was very resistant to conflict, you know, always trying to make others comfortable, always being inclusive. And, you know, my belief used to be that if you're kind to people, they will be kind to you and, you know, you can change the world with your kindness but that's not necessarily true um there are people who will try to violate your boundaries so when i did this course it taught me that i could 
say no when I wanted and I could create my own boundaries. Um, and that has really helped me to assert myself. There were incidences where um, people would violate my boundaries. And so this course did help me sort of stand up for myself. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm going to ask you something a little more personal if you feel comfortable answering it. If you don't, that's obviously okay. Okay. Um, What do you get scared of? So on a more philosophical level, I would say mediocrity, um, which means not making all the impact that I want to make and living Mm -hmm. a very average life. And on a more like superficial level, I would say cockroaches. I hate them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Cockroaches, I wouldn't really call that superficial. They're pretty gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I share your fear. I mediocrity isn't my fear, but more complacency. Compl- yeah. That's actually the They're better word. Buttons. The right word. Complacency. Mm-hmm. Numbness. Yes. Or apathy. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Whatever is going on. Apathy, just kind of, you know, going along with things, which is great, but um, kind of just letting life happen to you. Yeah, I think I was in that state when I was super into yoga because I was like, you know, that's one way of dealing with chaos. You just breathe in, breathe out and Uh exhale all the BS. Um, But a point comes where you're like... You know, this is not enough. There are certain things you need to stand up for. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I agree with you there. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up these questions. Um, and then f- I will have time for our next episode where we're going to dig into some self-defense stuff. But um, I really thank you for sharing yourself with us and letting our listeners get to know you a little bit. I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the past few months that we've gotten to work together. Um, our listeners may not know, but for our trainers, we have a weekly, uh, we call it a weekly coffee break where we Zoom with each other and talk about how classes are going, um, any questions that come up. But it's a really fun way to stay connected and it's helped me get to know everybody that I haven't been able to meet in person yet. So, So I've really enjoyed getting to know you, and I hope that our listeners have enjoyed getting to know you as well. But before we go, one last question. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite food? Oh, the most important question. So I love sushi, California rolls from your city. And, And I also love Thai red curry with rice. Ah, What's your favorite food, by the way? I'm just wondering. Sushi is one of my favorite foods. Oh, California rolls. Although I'm not a big fan of California rolls, I really, really like uni, um, sea urchin. Oh, okay. Is my favorite sushi among all sushi, but I love all sushi. So I can also um, not be picky. It's very artistically made. Yeah. Flavors are amazing. Yeah, I like how subtle it can be. My other favorite food is candy. Okay. What kind of candy? All, every kind. Every kind of candy. I don't have any favorites. Okay. I like chocolate, but I don't like candy that sticks to your teeth. Yeah, chocolate is not candy. It's different. 
Okay. But I like yeah, candy. I, and I lie. I do have a favorite um, that I'm trying to talk myself out of because because it's really bad for your teeth, which is called something called Dragibus or Dragibus, and it's only available in France. Okay. Is that like something made with coffee? No, it's something made of pure sugar. Just oh, wow. pure flavored, intensely colored sugar. But oh it's my. delicious. Your dentist must love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I'm trying to stay away from jog. I mean, it's easy because now I can't get it. But I ate it a lot when I was in Paris. And um, yeah, it ruined my teeth. What's the name? I'm going to look that up. Sounds it's called Dragibus or Dragibus. I actually don't really know how to pronounce it. Okay. But it's D-R-A-G-I-B-U-S. Weirdly, it's made by Haribo, which is a German company, but they don't sell it here. Oh, okay. It yeah, I don't like know why. Skittles. I just googled it. What? It looks like Skittles. No, it is not Skittles. It's like colorful little nope. balls. It's more like it's like super, super intense, really, really chewy, oversized jelly beans would be the closest oh, thing I, okay. could, I could say. Yeah, I like jelly beans. Yeah. Well, whenever I come to Pakistan, I will bring some Dragibus for everyone. Not for everyone in Pakistan or even Islamabad because there's like 17 million people. So no, but (laughs) for you, yes. (laughs) Okay, that's very kind. We have a jelly bean called Chili Mili, which is made of chili. Oh. And kids will love that. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho, ho. All right. I'm going to I'm going to go book a ticket right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us. On that note, we are going to say goodbye on this episode and we will be back next week with episode 92 talking about self-defense. Yeah, thank you for having me and I'm looking forward to the rest of our shows now. You're listening to the Pretty Deadly podcast. Visit our website, prettydeadlyselfdefense.com, click on community, and join our growing gang of badass women working hard to make the world a safer place.